0: Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs.
1: Time now for the Danny Mac Show with BK. Getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. huge save Gillies the puck still loose and the Ducks have scored
0: Troy Terry found the rebound before any of the Blues could, Gillies did all he could and the Ducks have tied the game 2-2 Terry will bring it in carry it wide, cut it into the middle on Gillies, Deke shoots and it goes in and they score, the Ducks win the game on an overtime penalty shot, Perunovic coughed it up at the blue line
1: Hooked the player to draw the penalty shot, and Terry wins it as the Ducks beat the Blues 3-2 to tonight. Still an entertaining game, and uh, the Blues get a point. I thought they are going to steal it, and I say steal it uh, and welcome into the Danny Mac show on a Monday because, again, this is the list of players that are out. Tyler Bozak, Justin Fault, Jordan Bennington. Now the guys, th- those are all... COVID issues. Uh, Then you have James Neal, who is skating. Clem Costin is skating, so maybe shortly get him back. Robert Thomas. You got David Perron, who's been back on the ice. Uh, Huso is out. Jake Wallman's out. Jordan Cairo has been out. Uh, We did see Braden Shen return last night, but I got to wonder if he may have re-injured himself last night. Um, Looked like he had a, a situation with the upper portion of his body um, and I'm not sure if we see him come back. We'll see. But uh, that's a list of really good players that are out. So I give the Blues credit for at least getting the point. Now, you want to see him get two, especially when he had a one-goal lead late in the third but uh, they've kind of weathered this storm and slowly, but surely they're going to start getting these guys back Tanner. And um, I thought it was an entertaining game of hockey. I enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, I did too. And I thought they played really well, considering that, as you mentioned, they've got about 10 guys out and I'd argue about three of the five most important guys heading into the year are on that list of injuries. And, you capture seven of eight possible points in a four-game yeah. homestand when you're this short-handed. That's a really impressive stretch for the St. Louis Blues, and I believe two of those games you were short-handed because you didn't have enough skaters to right throw out a full lineup.
1: It's, uh, it's been tough. There's no question about it. So Craig Berube obviously missing uh two of his top players that would be between the pipes. So what did he get from Gillies last night?
3: Yeah, I mean he gave us a chance to win. Guys competed hard. You know I was pretty pretty happy with them all. You know it's, it was a tight game, but. uh we hung in there and well, a little unfortunate given given up that second goal um but uh you know they battled and Gillies battled and we got a point
1: you know that was the one that uh stung for me Perunovic that those things are going to happen and I you know they award the, the penalty shot it's either going to be a breakaway or he's going to get the penalty shot so Perunovic it happens but generally speaking he's getting a chance to play a bunch some of these younger players are getting a chance to show what they can do i mean nathan walker has been exceptional he scored again last night so is craig baruby starting to see the team even with it uh kind of a, a mix and match group of players are they coming together a bit
3: yeah i mean i think you know guys are playing pretty good hockey and we're you know depleted lineup and they're battling and doing all the things we got guys that come are coming in uh and um, doing a good job for us. Um, guys from getting called up from Springfield. Gold has been good that, uh, you know, Lindgren played well both games. And uh, we're getting, um, you know, contributions from everybody.
1: So the Blues, though, if you weren't paying attention over the weekend like Tanner because he was at BK's wedding. Uh, they did suffer two more injuries. Jordan Kyrou did not play in the third period Saturday, then was out yesterday. Then last night, Braden Shen left the game in the third, did not return. Um, apparently, it's not from the previous injury. If you want to buy into that, who knows? And so what's the situation with uh, one of the top players you could have up front in Braden Shen?
3: It's not the same injury, and um, he'll be out of the lineup day to day right now. So Tuesday, who could return for Craig Berube? Uh, I would say No i'm not gonna sit here and set that in stone it's uh too early to tell right now so the
1: impact on losing so many of these guys
3: yeah it's yeah it's it's crazy it it is what it is it's yeah just it's like every time you you know you, you turn around there's another guy gone and and it's it's unfortunate it is what it is though we got to keep punching forward The guys that have been called up i thought have played outstanding for us have you know contributed so much for us getting points um it's very nice to see that but um you know if, if it's gonna happen it's better early than than later you know i think um I see a couple guys go down but i think we have a few more guys coming back soon so you know that's a positive but um yeah i guess it's better now to get this out of the way and and hopefully we'll be healthier as uh as we continue on
1: here that's ryan riley o'reilly the uh, captain of the blues and the springfield guys have really stepped up in this stretch the blues have gotten 20 points from the guys that are depth players in springfield five one and three in the last nine are the blues brown two goals three assists five points he's plus two Uh, Joshua has a goal, three assists, four points. He's plus three. Nathan Walker, another goal last night, a beauty too. He had the hat trick and then got a goal uh, last night. He's got five points plus five. Pekka, a a goal, and uh, uh, one point. So the Blues now also have used five different goalies this season. First time they've done that since the 2015-16 season. Uh, It's Bennington, Huso. Bennington has had the bulk of the playing time with 16 games. Huso, seven. Lindgren, three. Hofred two. Gillis again last night. Bennington, um, they are hopeful returns this week.
2: Yeah, sometime earlier this week was what Doug Armstrong told us on Friday with uh, BK and Ferrario. It's impressive for the fact of the matter that the Blues goaltending depth has played as well as it has. And to the point of uh, Gillies, Gillies was signed like five days ago. Right, and He comes in and he only gives up three goals and played really well. I, we haven't We've given a lot of credit to the Springfield kind of express, if you want to call it that, with all these guys that have come up, these forwards that have stepped up. Man, I was sitting there last night thinking about it. You've had five different goalies. How many teams can say, yeah, we've had five different goalies and we've been 5-1-3 uh, and three in our last nine, And all five have really played very good hockey. I mean, Bennington was really good earlier. Then when he got hurt, Huso stepped up and filled in for him. Since Huso's been out, the two, three games of Lind- Lindgren we've seen, he's been really good. Gillies looked good last night, and even that ver- very small stretch we saw of Hofer thought he didn't look that bad either.
1: So, correct me if I'm wrong, in 2015-16... Yeah, Jake Allen, Brian Elliott, uh, Nielsen, Copley, and Bennington.
2: Which I don't remember Bennington getting. I don't remember of that either, either. But that's what it said, so I'm going to buy it. Really?
1: We we'll have to look that one up. But if he, I, I don't remember that either. That's the one that surprised me. I
2: remember, me. I remember Nielsen, and I remember Cope, Copley, but I don't remember Bennington getting no. a shot that early. Because the first time I really remember Bennington was here, he came in and went on the yeah, cup run. So exactly. I wonder if he was on the roster and came in as just like a
1: emergency emergency got right. like a
2: period or so but that counts towards the stat because sure. i don't remember i'm with you when i saw that i was like bennington really I, yeah I don't That's, that so. goes
1: all the way back to 16
2: yeah and i'm trying how old's bennington now bennington's what 25 maybe so he would have came up at 19
1: yeah that i no. so he would have been you know yeah 1920 depending on his birthday huh i don't remember that but apparently that did happen by the way i gotta ask you before we go to a break and my guest is going to be the play-by-play broadcaster the memphis redbirds uh evan stockton but i am curious about the big question of the weekend and i think you know where i'm going bk's wedding oh,
2: i thought we were talking about mizzou kansas
1: no we're, we already did that on the uh, crossover uh bk's wedding set the scene what do we have what and, happened?
2: Great ceremony, and then a uh, great after party as well. Uh, B. Kane for I got a shout out in the ceremony. How about that?
1: Did they? Okay, yeah. Good. So the.
2: The preacher and uh, he goes. I'm trying not to mix this up and call it BK and Ferrari. Now, me wow. and Alex had different How about reactions. You didn't, get, you didn't get a shout out in this? Well, you know, I kind of count towards that. I'll, I'm with this show. I'll take I'll take some credit for mm-hmm. that. Now, me and Alex had two different reactions to that because Alex's response was kind of like dip the head. Oh my gosh, I can't believe he threw out my name in this. I almost yelled shout out because I was excited we got the little shout out in the ceremony. So, but I held back. I didn't do it. And then uh, the preacher kind of ruined our uh, surprise of. The over-under on how many times BK cries. I, I don't think he—the over-under was said, I think, one and a half or two and a half. Uh-huh. I didn't see it. He may have had a tear come out when they opened the doors in Kara, when he saw Kara in the dress for the first time. But other than that, he hit the under. But I, I think it was because it was kind of spoiled. He, he knew that we were betting on it after the sure, ceremony. So he didn't cry at all? No. Maybe once. I, like I said, there may have been once where he kind of took that, kind of that side turn, so he kind of held back a tear. Yeah. Other than that, though, no, he didn't. But a very nice reception, and I'm very happy for both of them.
1: If anybody was going to be emotional, I would have put my money on you. Me? Yeah. Why? Oh, yeah, because you're very stoic, very wow. stoic during sports. But when, because you, you, you take the pragmatic approach, you, you keep your emotions in check. But boy, when you see that wedding. I am uh, like an I emotional think, butterfly. I think, Tanner, you would have lost it. I mean, I I would have seen BK's family, you know, the shoulders going up and down, cause <laughs> you know, crying. It's a very... And then I look over to you, and I would have seen you in just tears. So I was hoping that you brought a handkerchief or some Kleenex.
2: I didn't, but I was able to hold it together. Oh, you good. know, I am an emotional butterfly, though, because sports, you know, I'm like the caterpillar. I'm not all that right. emotional, but then I get outside of work, and I'm sure. like, I come out of my cocoon, and I'm like a butterfly, and I get emotional over the little things.
1: Did you, uh, did you tear it up? Did you get... Uh... Did you uh, dance with anybody? What what happened?
2: I hit the dance floor. Danny
1: you, did Mac. you really?
2: Yeah. I got a little, I got after it. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't take anybody home with me, but I, I did get after well, it on the dance floor.
1: Well, that's good. Uh, did you, did you meet Mrs. Uh, Tanner? Future Mrs. Tanner? I don't think so. Uh,
2: that part was a mess. But uh, Danny Mac, I hit the dance floor. You know who else has good dance moves? Who? Mark Saxon. Really? He was... He was getting after it. I was impressed because that was the big shock for me at the wedding.
1: Is that right? Yes. So that's your big takeaway—is that Saxy can move it? He could cut right. I wasn't going to
2: get on the dance floor that much because I'm not that big a dancer. And then I saw Saxy getting after it, and I went, "Wow, I really have to—I got to I gotta hit the dance floor." Really? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I'm telling you, that may have been the biggest shock of the whole thing for me.
1: Maybe we have to get Saxy in here.
2: I'm down because I—I I was. I'm telling you, I was stunned. I've never seen that side of Saxy before. No and kidding. And now, now he's the guy I'm taking with me to the next bar I go to. Oh, is
1: that right? That's he's right. He's your plus one? Yeah. You and Saxy tearing up the town. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. Play voice of the memphis redbirds is evan stockton does a great job and has been kind enough to come on here in st louis as he's had an up-close look at maybe the potential stars of tomorrow hey evan thanks for hopping on the show with us we appreciate it
0: yeah, of course, guys. It's going to be 75 in St. Louis, I saw this week. Are you guys getting a tea time in? What's going on
1: here? Oh, yeah, we played Friday. We're going to play this week, too. You don't have to worry about that. We can't believe uh, it because it's been so nice here in St. Louis. Um, it almost doesn't feel like Christmas, man. So we're, we're trying to get ready for it.
0: Look, I'm a native Midwesterner. I, I'm back in the Midwest in the off season. We don't have any snow either. I'm sure the whole country saw it was snowing during that Michigan-Ohio State game. That's literally the only time it, snow- it snowed here in the Midwest all year. So, yes, I'm with you guys. Love the Christmas season, but it doesn't really
1: uh, feel like the Christmas season
0: until snow. And uh, I know we're here to talk about the Memphis Redbirds, which is not snow at all. So, so let's get to that.
1: Hey, I'm not complaining. Believe me, it's going to get cold enough before you know it. Um, so, Evan, let's let's talk about some of the guys that made an impact at Memphis. And Memphis, along with many of the, the levels of the the minor leagues of the Cardinals, um had their ups and downs there's no question about it but in a general sense and it's not about the wins and losses at that level I mean you'd love to win but it's about developing players and the Cardinals do have a lot of guys that are coming so in a general sense who really stood out for you this year at Memphis of the guys that you saw
0: well I know Cardinals fans listening to this want to hear about Matthew Liberatore and and Nolan Gorman so I'll give them the update on those two guys first I think Cardinals fans should be very excited about what's coming their way, hopefully in the not-too-distant future with Matthew Liberator and Nolan Gorman. The thing we kept coming back to with Matthew Liberator was this guy is 20, 21 years old. He skipped a level in minor league baseball. He skipped two. In 2019, when he was in the Rays minor league system, he was in low-A ball. All of a sudden this year, he spends the whole year in AAA And Matthew was getting better and better throughout the year. The fastball velocity was sitting high nineties by the end of the year, a pitch he was working on 2019. His slider has turned into his best pitch. Cardinals fans are going to love seeing that pitch. It's coming to batters with two strikes. He's throwing that thing and they know it's coming, but they still can't hit it anyway. So Matthew really got better and better throughout the year. And look, Cardinals fans who are clued in understand that Nolan Gorman is known for his power. He's going to roll out of bed and hit 30 home runs. But what was really impressive about Nolan watching him at the triple a level throughout the summer, two things. One, he was starting to hit pitchers, best pitches. As we all know, at the major league level today, everything is specialized. You may only face a pitcher once, if you're lucky twice in a ball game. So Nolan is going to be facing the best that guys have to offer at the major league level. And now Nolan is, uh, is improving from, Hey, I can hit your mistake pitch to, Hey, I can also hit your, hit your best pitch. And Nolan was getting better and better at second base. I think it's a stretch to say that Nolan Gorman is a gold Glover at second base someday. I don't think it's a stretch to say he is going to be more than serviceable at that spot. And as we know, there's no room at third base in St. Louis for the next half decade, at least. So Nolan was getting better and better at second base. And I think Cardinals fans cannot be very happy this Christmas season, this holiday season, knowing that Matthew Lippertor and Nolan Gorman are going to be under their tree very soon. And uh, there's a lot of potential with those guys.
1: In terms of, of Gorman, um, did he play any at third or was it just like 90, 95 percent? He's going to be at he was at second base.
0: He was there about 90%, 95% of the time. If I'm remembering correctly, forgive me, you do 130 games. It's tough to remember sure. every single one. But I think he was at third a couple of times. But for the most part, he was at second base. And with the way the Redbirds roster was structured, they were fortunate. They had a very, very uh, other good infielder they could use at third base, Kramer Robertson, former LSU Tiger uh, he played a very mean third base as well. So Nolan was at second most of the time, but he did dabble at third a little bit.
1: Evan, you mentioned how Libertor got better as the season went on. Did you find that in across uh, this team and then in minor league baseball at that level that when the guys, you know, some of those guys were at that satellite camp in 2020 during the shutdown and we had no minor league season, but did you, did you find that generally it took a while for guys to get up to speed and to get back into... The, just the rigors of a baseball season, or was it? Hey, they're ready to go from from the get go.
0: Honestly, Dan, no, and, and that was something that kind of took us by surprise when the season started. That oh, this this looks like baseball, you know, Triple A baseball, where it should be right away. Having so many other friends in the industry as broadcasters who at the Double A level, the Single A level, I was getting texts and calls from my friends going yeah this baseball is terrible. This is not very good these guys, These guys need to get up to speed, but as you say, at the Triple a level, of course, so many guys have major league experience, and then also guys who don't have major league experience, well, they were at the satellite camps they they were at the alternate sites. they were still playing baseball and getting meaningful reps. So we were pleasantly surprised right out of the shoot in Memphis that. Guys were pretty darn good right away, which which always makes the job a little easier.
1: I found it really interesting, too, to get through COVID – um last year in the in the minor leagues you had those long series. So uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Monday would be off and then you'd kick off a, a long series against the opposition on a Tuesday and finish up on a Sunday, and that was to limit travel, that kind of thing. Um did you find that, that was beneficial for teams? I, I cause I was thinking that, oh boy, you're gonna get some people that are, you know, beanball, uh bad blood, carries over. You see these teams a lot. Uh, you know, all of a sudden some of that bad blood can can go into games three, four, five, and 6. But what was that like for the players, and going forward, do you think that's something that they do? Well, to answer the, the second question first,
0: yes, they're going to do it going forward. It's already on the projected schedule for AAA next year that they're going to continue having six-game series. Uh, I personally didn't like it. As you know, the, the flow of a baseball season, the fun of it is, you're seeing new teams, new places, new faces every three, four days. We saw the same team for a week. So selfishly, from a broadcast perspective, you get to game four or five of the series, you're looking around going, what do I talk about tonight? You know, I've kind of exhausted all of my material. But from a player's perspective, there wasn't any issues with beanballs or anything like that. But, but you could sense it among the team it was. Going to play these guys again. We got to play Gwinnett for the fifth day in a row. I would like to see Toledo today. So, yes, you could definitely sense among the players that it's weird, too, right? You're facing relievers three, four times in a series. You can face starting pitchers twice in a series if that's how the rotation rolls. So, they're going to do this going forward. Will it affect development? I have no idea. I don't think anyone loves it, but it is what it is.
1: Rule changes that you saw at AAA. What were those, and they were implemented at all different levels uh, of the minor leagues? And uh, any of those of those that you even talked to at other levels that they liked? What stood out for you is maybe we look forward to that being implemented into the uh, major league game.
0: Well, originally, early on in the season, there was a huge emphasis on pace of play. There was one week where clearly the umpires had received an email, received a phone call from their bosses saying, you guys really need to stick to this pitch clock because we had at least seven different automatic balls uh, because of, you know, pace of play issues. So that got better as the season went along at the AAA level for the first half of the year, they tried out larger bases. Uh, as the season went along, they went back to the normal size bases. I personally thought the larger size bases, it can help make calls easier. It can help avoid injuries, right? Guys can further run on, on the right side of the base if they're going to first base and those sorts of things. Those were the two main rule changes we saw, along with the elongated uh, six-game six game series. So those were the two main things. I know there was more experimentation going on not just in the lower levels of minor league baseball, but independent baseball as well. There was kind of a uh, an emphasis at the AAA level, though. Look, these guys could be up in St. Louis tomorrow. We got to keep this as close <laughs> as close to a product as we can as what it is at the major league level. So there were some tw- there were some tweaks here or there at the triple level but for the most part it, it looked like the baseball you saw at Bushel. So,
1: so when a when a guy is told and by the way evan stockton is our guest broadcaster for the memphis redbirds when a guy is told hey you ran out of time that's uh ball two or you're not in the box there's strike two uh what was their reaction was there any or or did guys say hey yep i messed up this is what i got to do and i should have been in the box or on the mound pitching
0: Dan, they're baseball players. They didn't exactly take it very well. <laughs> the first, the, fir- the first week, the first week that had happened when it was a huge emphasis,
3: we we had a couple of guys thrown
0: out because they were arguing, which I thought was hilarious. In an effort to speed up the game, you just <laughs> argued and got tossed from the game, which delayed us by an extra seven minutes, which I just thought was kind of ironically hilarious. Um, yeah, they, they didn't take it well. Uh, but they figured it out, right? It's like when you were a kid growing up and your parents said you can't have ice cream for dessert after every meal, originally you were frustrated and then you just kind of got used to it. So sure. the play- the players didn't love it. Uh, the pitchers didn't love it, certainly, um, but they just kind of got used to it.
1: How about Juan Yepez? What did you see from him this year?
0: I'm very glad you brought him up. That was somebody, when you asked me the original question, I wish I had mentioned right out of the shoot. Uh, I'm supposed to give you some sort of articulate, broadcast, baseball, analytic answer. I'm just going to talk like a human. Dude's a stud. He is incredible. The power he displayed at Memphis this year, by far the most eye-opening prospect. A guy who was barely top 30 when the season began. There were times looking around, we were going, how in the world is he not in St. Louis right now? He had a Saturday night game that the Redbirds won 14-12, where he had three home runs, and seven RBIs. It was like he had unlocked the cheat code in a video game. His downfall is defense. They can't really figure out where the heck to put him. But when you were doing as well at the plate as he was for most of the season when he was in Memphis, you got to figure out a place for him. And as we know, as baseball's in a lockout and, and they're figuring everything out right now, there is the possibility of universal DH. That's what Juan Yepes can do. So the guy's power is prodigious. He's got the mental makeup. He's got a great family. Selfishly, right as a broadcaster, you meet people, you meet players, and you just you want them there. You're pulling for them, and Juan's one of those guys. Certainly, he was uh, for me. He was the story of the year in Memphis. And judging by the reaction of Cardinals fans, anytime he did anything on social media, uh, they were following along and understanding how good of a guy this can be in the lineup for the Cardinals. Sometimes. So-
1: Evan defensively, though they played him at first, third, and the corner outfield spots. Is that correct?
0: Yes, they did. and it was it was just kind of trial by fire, just trying to figure out where he could be. You can play him at first base. I thought he was okay at first base. I think you know, Juan wouldn't take offense to me saying that defense was not his strong suit, and there were some days where you understood that, you know, he's in the lineup for his bat. He's not in the lineup for his defense. So th- that's going to be the, the question for him going forward is where can we play on Yepes? I think the logical place is a corner outfield spot or first. But again, that's a work in progress.
1: And what? where did he primarily play? What was his natural position?
0: And so they started him at third, but obviously that's not where he's going to be long-term. Then they shifted him to first where there were some times where he had some some slick picks and he found his way around the bag, and then there were some other times where dribblers went through his legs. And, and then the outfield in Memphis was pretty locked down as the season went along. Nick Plummer came up later in the year, occupied one of the corner outfield spots. Connor Capel usually had one of the corner outfield spots. So Juan eventually ended up sticking at first base and then if the redbirds ever played a a team that they could use a dh one was the dh so but typically first base for him
1: sure another guy i want to ask about and we saw him in st louis was lars newbar um what did you see from him and what position was he primarily playing in the outfield for memphis
0: so he was typically right field and so everyone asks about lars I feel kind of disingenuous answering that question. Cause it feels like we barely saw the guy yeah. he was in Memphis for three, four weeks. He did so darn well, got called up to St. Louis. We're all thinking, okay, he's going up for that series in Detroit. And you know, he'll be back sooner rather than later. He never really came back. So what we saw from Lars was a guy who just hit the ball so well and was so impressive in Memphis that he had to be up in St. Louis. And then he got to St. Louis. And as you all know, never really left. So I I think it was really impressive to see how Lars did what you can do at the minor league level. If you're not a name prospect, just impress the heck out of the big league club. And then when you get there, be a valuable member and don't leave. And, and that's what we saw from Lars Newtbar. He was so darn good the first few weeks of the year. They, they had to have him up in St. Louis.
1: And a final question will be, anybody else that you could see making uh, an impact of some of the guys that you saw that maybe could take that next step to get to the big leagues?
0: We're all looking for the replacement to Yadier Molina, right? It's a day no one wants to think about, but it is going to have to come. Ali Sanchez, the catcher for the Redbirds this past summer, was really good. Acquired in an off-season trade during spring training last year from the New York Mets. Ali, for a long time, was a New York Mets farmhand that they thought highly of. Ollie was great. Ali was arguably the best catcher in AAA East. It's no longer the Pacific Coast League. It's A East. Very strange. Um, yes. But Ali but Sanchez was really good behind the plate for Memphis. A good, solid defensive backstop. And he is a line drive machine, but he is rolling at the plates. So that to me was a really impressive thing to see for Memphis. Ali Sanchez was a, was a really pleasant surprise once he joined the team and and uh, we're looking forward to seeing his development.
1: Hey, Evan, you do a great job. Thank you so much for hopping on. I know our fans here in St. Louis love hearing about the prospects of uh, the Cardinals minor league system. And, uh, We'll have a great holiday, whether it's 75 or 80 out, or 35. But uh, enjoy your Christmas, and hopefully we'll catch up very soon. You got it, guys. it's great. You got it. That is Evan Stockton, the uh, play-by-play broadcaster of the Memphis Redbirds. A lot of good stuff there with him, and uh, we appreciate his time. Can't get enough cards talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN.
3: Well, I would say it's, it's closing out games. It's playing, get, getting extremely comfortable, being uncomfortable in one-goal games, up, down, tied in the third period. I still think we, we, we seem to have too many self-inflicted wounds, uh, turn the puck over at the offensive defensive blue line too often in critical times. I'm also understanding of the fact that when you want to play a more up-tempo game, when you want to allow your skill to, to show itself, skill comes with risk you know, and you have to turn a blind eye every once in a while. It's the critical times of the games where you have to, we have to have a better understanding that it's not worth the risk, even if it works out.
1: Interesting. huh? that was on Friday on BK and Ferrario. Actually, I like to call it Tanner and company.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: No problem. Um, it was Doug Armstrong in that visit, and sure enough, what happened last night? You know, you've got about what six and a half minutes left. You got a one goal lead, and then all of a sudden, a uh, little bit behind the defense, they get through through. They slip, and all of a sudden, you are tied two two, and then you know 3 on 3 when you have the ot situation you are going to have those situations where the ice is so open and you make that one false step one false move and boom a guy's right behind you and you're playing catch up and you're you're hooking him you're trying to get him down from the breakaway which what uh, happened with perunovic last night so um that's uh, It's a good point by Doug Armstrong, and certainly we saw that come to fruition last night.
2: Yeah, and it's not just last night. And when he brought that up on Friday, I went, well, you know, I haven't really thought of many games. There have been a couple where the Blues have had that lead blown in the third. But he made a point to us as well of, hey, it's not just the games that are close, too. It's right. the games where it's been, you know, we're up 4-1. He mentioned the Detroit one later on in that interview on Friday saying look we're up 4 to 1 and then we give up a breakaway to to uh Robbie Fabry. That's something that you look at it and in hindsight it's like oh well okay it's 4 to 2 that didn't matter. But when you're the general manager of a hockey team you look at it and you go well that's a goal we shouldn't give up in a third period. Yeah, maybe we were up 3 but what if that's tomorrow and we're only up 1 and we give that up. That's yeah. just a play that can't happen. So some hindsight from him, but it did come to fruition and as you mentioned the Prinovich play. That's kind of that risk with skill. Prunovich more of an offensive-minded guy. And I think Craig Burby spoke after the game. You know, I don't think he even said we're going to talk to him. You know, he's going to learn from that mistake. He's very young, very young guy. He's going to learn on the fly, and that was just one of those moments last night.
1: Yeah, I thought uh, he actually played very well last night. But I thought Krug had a tough night, especially on passing the puck, getting it out of the zone at at times. Um, And I thought that Gillis gave him a chance to win. You know, and that's all you can ask. When you got a guy that's your fifth goaltender of the year already and you're not even at Christmas, he gave you a chance to win. Uh you get the point, but I think to the greater picture of what happened there, seven out of eight at home with uh with the four games. Seven out of eight points that you got. So I'll take that. That's Tanner. I'm Danny Mack coming up, we cross it over, Alex Ferrario next. Can't get enough cards talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. Today is your final chance to donate to this year's Carriker and Smallman 12 Days of T-Shirts Fundraiser supporting Operation Food Search. Donate at least $25 today. You'll receive a complimentary 101 ESPN t-shirt, koozie, and a sticker as your gift for your donation. You score a free 101 shirt, koozie, sticker, and your $25 donation helps Operation Food Search serve the metro area during this critical time of year. So thank you to our presenting sponsors of this year's 12 Days of T-Shirts campaign, American Standard Heating and Cooling Contractors, and McBride Homes. And you can find all the details on this year's 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser now at 101 ESPN. Randy and Michelle do a great job with that. So it's the final day to pick up that koozie and the T-shirt. BK is off. He is married. He's on a beach somewhere. Tanner is here. And that means Alex is here. And uh, you guys have a lot of radio coming up. Three more hours and i'm sure you're going to get into the blues what happened last night
4: oh yeah we have to but are, are we sure bk's on a beach somewhere are we sure he's not stuck in an airport like bk owing him and cara you think that could happen huh? i mean it's happened before i mean he you hey, look was... at what happened the night before his wedding
1: yeah. dan i th- by the way the statement of the day the statement of the day comes from one tanner Oh, yeah. 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 yeah Tanner what said was it? like
2: 15 minutes in the show.
1: too. What was it? Tanner said, I, I just I try. I said, hey, paint the picture. What happened? And I asked some questions about the wedding. And Tanner said, just very matter of factly, said, I went out there. I, I cut up a rug. I danced, but I didn't go home with anybody.
2: That's what he said. Put it on a T-shirt. Did you go out there and cut <laughs> up the
1: rug? What was, what was yeah. the exact uh, verbiage that you use?
2: I think I said I, I. think I said I tore it up on the dance floor, but I didn't end up going home with anybody.
1: Yeah, well, that
4: doesn't surprise me. But it uh, was a little bit too much information. A little too much a TMI. Know, I,
2: I felt like we were gonna. I knew I was gonna see the text pop up, so I knew I had to just address the room right off the bat.
4: <laughs> wow. Here's the thing, though. I don't know if he danced. Now, granted, we left early because we had to get our nine-month-old from our mother-in-law, so we left right around the time that maybe Tanner did, you know, cut foot loose on the dance floor, yeah. Dan. But up until then, he looked like the guy that's at the uh, the high school dance that's sitting on the bleacher saying, "Hey." I'm not getting out there.
2: They hit my, they hit my groove by the time what was he the, left. What was the song well, it started with, that uh, kicked what, it in? What is was it? Country Roads? No, it was not that. Was Country it Footloose? Is great though. No, it's the one where it's slide to the left, slide to the right, electric Cha-cha. slide. No, cha-cha yeah, electric slide. slide. Yeah,
1: the electric, yeah. electric slide? slide. Yeah, Is that yeah, how it goes. Yeah, everybody You gotta have that. It's a like terraria. a standard at a wedding. Come on, isn't, man! Isn't
4: that the cha
2: cha no. slide? No, slide to the left. That's,
4: <clears> slide to the right. Now cross <laughs> crisscross. That's the cha cha slide. But there's
2: another one too. I think the one that Danny Max referencing.
4: Yeah, of, co- of course. That's now Dan. If we were yeah. to put a wager on what the Macarena would have been the first one that I thought Tanner would have got on the dance floor too.
2: Oh, I would have been out there if that popped up too.
4: Tanner looks like a Macarena kind of guy. I think the wind beneath my wings, (laughs) Bette Midler.
1: He does look like a Bette Midler kind of guy. You can't go wrong with some BM, though. Yeah, I think you would have been all over that, Tanner. I don't know
2: if I know that one.
1: Hey, were there any uh, single ladies that, uh, you know, tickled your fancy or what?
2: I'll be honest, I have no idea. I was told from BK, this could have been the BK line to me, BK had told me before the wedding, yeah, most people there are in a relationship or married. It felt like a lie.
4: Or he was just saying that because he's like, "Look, T-Bone, we don't need you. Yeah, on his he, he, he knows. He knows that
2: he had to try and throw the chick magnet off. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he did. I think because
1: you're stealth.
2: Yeah, I mean, you you, you,
1: you just kind of eye it up. You survey the the dance floor. You survey the the. Uh, you know, where everybody's sitting. You he see. Surveyed
4: a lot from his, his
1: uh, seat at the table. Survey the uh, wedding party because, you know, you I never know. I had Jamie as
4: my wingman. Did you, did you tell him what we actually learned at that wedding reception,
2: though? Wait, wait what part he, are we referring what? to? What? Mark, oh, Mark Saxon? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's has what I heard.
4: Some incredible moves. He tore up, cut the rug, whatever you want to call it, on the dance floor with his wife. Really? The first 10, 15 minutes of that the The reception of the actual dance floor open, it was Mark Saxon all the so way. So were
1: they like in sync with each other and they had practice dances? Because oh, yeah. there's some couples that come there and you just, they put on a show. That,
4: that you know that they like have taken dance lessons yep. before that they're pros. He looked like he has been on, uh, What what was the dance show called? Dancing with the Stars? No, Soul Train. He soul looked train. like he
2: had been on Soul Train before. What the heck is Soul Train? I don't even know that. Oh, reference. grow up,
1: Tanner. that's Soul Train was very. Soul Train
2: was how everyone got famous. The soul. He, had, Dan. He had the train. shirt
4: untucked. He had the button down like two buttons, letting the chest hair flow. And man, he was just cutting it up. Did he have any chains? No, no chains. No chains. All right, no chains. What about a chest tat? No chest tat. Not that we saw, but it could have been lower down there. You okay. never know. All right. You never know. But Saxy was Sachse was my hero at that dance.
1: This is a hell of a crossover, guys. Yeah.
4: Well, we didn't expect to get into that. But back to blues that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. we're going to talk a lot of blues today. Uh, yeah. Uh, of course, because unfortunately the losing streak was snapped. I might be uh, the, the bad streak. luck one, you or the, the winning streak was snapped. I might mm-hmm. be the bad luck because RK uh, put it up to three wins. And then I stepped in, and then they uh, they lost.
1: That's all right. How did RK do on the uh, pregame? I know you Killed were listening. It. I was worried he was going to get Wally pipped. That you were going to get Wally I was gonna, pipped? I was
4: worried I was going to get Wally pipped.
1: No, that ain't going to happen. RK was a stud. <sighs> For, okay, there's a few things I learned in this show. Number one, you need to learn about Soul Train.
2: Okay, I'll look it up. It's yeah. on my to-do list. A
1: great show.
3: A it's
2: probably way show. down there on my to do list because there's a lot on it, but it's there. You know when they do like the the
4: lines, and then like one person danced on the lines at at big functions. That's essentially from Soul Train. Yeah. What? It was
1: yeah. really good. Some of the top stars, great dancers, entertainers. What year was this? Before you were this born. This is way before. This is <laughs> yeah. before I was born. Oh. It's really good though. Uh, we also learned that Tanner went home by himself. Yep. Uh, As expected, responsible.
2: Oh, you didn't have to throw that in there. <laughs>
1: But <laughs> secretly, Tanner was eyeing up some potential future Mrs. Tanners. He was trying. Yeah, he was trying. So, do you guys have any guests coming up? We do. Have about
4: we do have some guests. We got Greg okay. a senior writer for ESPN on the National Hockey League. We're going to talk Blues. Uh, we'll talk about this COVID because uh, if you saw earlier today, the Calgary Flames have to postpone some games. I think that's the third team that's had to postpone games. So you had the
1: Islanders, the, the Flames, and, and the Senators, I okay. think, were the
4: other ones. And then, of course, uh, he had a piece out earlier today about the Olympics and how it's looking a little bleak for some of these NHL players.
1: Okay. Yeah. What? So I, I saw a thing that said three to five weeks they would have to quarantine yeah. in China. In China.
4: And that's Robin Leonard was the first one to opt Players out. Players aren't going to do that. No, especially no. Not a chance. They're postponing games, uh, Canadian teams, so that they don't have to come over and be stuck in, in the U.S. and where they can't go home for three weeks. You think they're going to do that in China? Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen. No.
0: Peloton, let's go this holiday
2: with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of.